0: Uh, well, hey, uh, it's good to see everybody. It just got extremely awkward in the room, didn't it? Because the, the S word was mentioned, and so we're going to try to struggle through this together. And uh, it's going to be a good day here. Um, it, it is awkward. We're, we're, in, we're in a series right now uh, called Landmines. And, and what we're doing really in this series, if this is your first uh, Sunday with us, maybe you missed last Sunday when we started this series. What we're doing every week uh, for the next couple of weeks is, is we're, we're looking at different things that could potentially be underneath the surface in our lives and, and things that could be there that, that if they're not dealt with could really take us out. Things that if they're, if they're not dealt with could really hurt us in a negative way. And so last week we talked about when we base our faith on our feelings or emotions. We, really when we base our faith on, on anything other than what Jesus has done. That's what we talked about last week. That was a landmine. Uh, today, the landmine that we're talking about is uh sex it's really sexual sin and um and it really does get get awkward and kind of weird in the room when you talk about sex in church because because it sort of feels like you're not supposed to talk about that in church right sort of feels like you should just pray or something or sing a quick song but you you shouldn't talk about this and so so churches just they they have a hard time uh dealing with this topic and uh i was thinking about this this week and my wife and I were uh, talking about uh, uh, something that happened, sharing this with the guys this morning, actually. Uh, something that happened at the church that we were at before we came back here to start Summit. And uh, this, my, this, by the way, this story, it has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon at all. I just think it's hilarious, all right? And since I've got the mic, you're stuck. Um, but the uh, church we were at before we came back to start Summit was nothing like Summit at all. It was very traditional I uh, had to wear a suit every Sunday, and I'm still bitter about that, but with counseling, I'm going to make it. Um, and, uh, and we had choir and, and, and everything. And uh, one of the things that that choir liked to do is they like to they like to try to pick songs that went with my sermon, you know? So, so if I was going to talk about a topic, if I was going to mention something in a sermon, they like to try to pick songs uh, that were going to mention that topic too. So one day, uh, one, uh, one month, we did a whole series on the family, you know? And there was going to be a sermon about sex in this Really traditional church that had never had a sermon on that, so there was a choir meeting, and uh, and the and the person who was leading the choir looks at the choir and says, "Well, Sunday, uh, Mark is going to lead. Uh, Mark is going to preach on sex. Anybody know of a hymn that talks about that?" And there was there's kind of silence, you know, in the choir room. There's kind of they're they're kind of sat there for a second, and then and then a senior adult lady, sweetest senior adult lady that I've ever known. Uh, just a tremendous woman of God. Uh, she, uh, uh, just from the back, she just real quiet. She said, well, when I think about that topic and if there's a hymn that comes to my mind, it's the hymn, Precious Memories. <laughs> so, so, you're welcome. You're welcome. I just thought it'd be helped with the tension in the room. Um, but you don't know what to do, right? You, they, uh, churches, what do we do with that topic, you know? And so what a lot of churches have done is is they've made the decision to never talk about it. Uh, They've just made the decision that they're never going to talk about sex, even though God talks about sex a lot in the Bible. In fact, there's an entire book, Song of Solomon. You should read that book sometime. That's one of the main themes In that book an entire book of the Bible but a lot of churches have just made the decision hey you know what it's awkward there's a lot of tension in the room when we talk about it we're just gonna shove it underneath the rug and we're never gonna talk about it but see what happens when you do that what happens when you shove underneath the rug and pretend things aren't there that are really important people get hurt don't they it hurts people and so while a lot of churches are silent about this topic There are people that come to those churches every week, and maybe you're here and you're one of those people, uh, that, that their lives are just ruined and wrecked by sexual sin. Maybe something in their past, maybe something that they struggle with right now, maybe something that somebody did to them, and it should never have happened to them. And because of the church's silence, and nobody's talking to these people, just the pain and the hurt continues. And listen, not only does it impact individuals, not only does it impact ch- uh, families, it impacts churches. Several years ago, uh, several years ago, there was, a, there was a survey done of just pastors. Just pastors uh, to see how those pastors struggle with, if they struggle at all with, sexual sin. And, and it didn't mean like, do their people that go to their churches struggle with sexual sin? It meant do they themselves do it? Do they themselves struggle with purity in various areas? And that survey found that of pastors that were surveyed admitted that they struggled with looking at internet pornography. Over 50% said they struggle with it. 37% of pastors say it's an ongoing struggle every single day that they're tempted to turn on the computer just to look at pornography. And so churches are silent, and what happens? Those churches are hurt. I mean, I've had a lot of friends who were pastors in churches, working with teenagers in churches, and they've lost their jobs. Their ministries were ruined because of sexual sin. And so people are filled with questions. Maybe you're here and you're filled with questions about that. What should I think about sex? What should I think about this, this thing that I struggle with, these temptations and these things that I'm dealing with in my life? Or here's really the ultimate question. What does God think about it? What does God think about sex? And you know what? That's a question that God answers right out of the gate. That's a question that God deals with at the very beginning of the Bible. If you've got your Bible, in fact, just open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 2, okay? If you've got a Bible, if not, I think it's, yeah, there it is. It's going to be up on the screen. Genesis chapter 2. 24 and 25. And we say this every week, but I think it's just really important. If you're here, you don't have a Bible. Uh, we have free Bibles in the back. Take, 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 take one when you leave today. You've got Bible maybe you don't understand it, have a hard time with it. Just take one. That's our free gift to you today. We want you to do that, okay? Uh, but Genesis 2, 24 and 25. And what's, what's happened here is God has just created Adam and Eve. And God makes Adam, and he looks at Adam, and Adam's there by himself. And and we're actually going to talk about this next week. God looks at Adam by himself, and he says, that's not a good thing, man. That's not a good thing that that guy's there alone. And so God puts Adam to sleep. He performs the first surgery, removes one of Adam's ribs. And somehow, in a way that only God can, God takes that rib and creates a woman. And so, God performs this surgery on Adam, and and this is not on the screen, but I'll just start reading in verse 23, and then we'll read 24, 25, that is behind me. 23, God says this, then the, well, Adam says this. Adam says in verse 23, this is what he says when he wakes up and sees there is a woman in front of me. He says, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So literally, he says, she's hot, is is what he means there. That's what he means. You look it up in Hebrew, that's what it says. So 24 and 25, he says this. Now this is God. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Watch this next verse. This is so important. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not what? Summit, you say the next word. They were not ashamed. So what's happened here? God creates Adam. God creates Eve. They consummate the marriage, and there they are, and they're both naked, and there's no shame. There's nothing wrong with this. So, so from that, just walk away with this. Sex is a good thing. Sex is a good thing that God made in the context that he intended it to be in. So God created sex to be between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife within the context of marriage. All right. So sex between a husband and a wife within the context of marriage. Sex is a good thing the men are furiously taking notes right now um it is a good thing right it's not a gross thing it's it's not intended by god to be some dirty thing it's a good thing within the bounds that god that god made for it but the problem is it didn't stay there The problem is Genesis 3, where everything gets broken, where sex gets broken, where I get broken, and where you get broken. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are tempted and deceived, and they fall because Satan comes, and and they just turn away from God. And the very first way that sin impacts Adam and Eve is sexually. It impacts them sexually for the, very, for the very first time, right out of the gate, it impacts them. Look at Genesis chapter 3, it says in verse 7, as soon as they sinned, as soon as everything was broken, it says in verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So there was no shame a minute ago and now all of a sudden there's shame. Now, all of a sudden, there's, there's guilt. Now, all of a sudden, you try to cover things up. You try to hide your tracks. You can relate to this today, right? Because it's the same thing. It's the same thing. See, you fast forward from Adam and Eve in the garden to 2012. Here we are in July. You fast forward, and sex is no longer just a good thing that God made. Sex is an ultimate thing. Sex is a God in the world that we live in, Right? People bow down and they worship this. I mean, you can't escape it. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed that, that talk about sex is just everywhere? You can't check out at Walmart and look at a magazine without it being there, right? I mean, it's on the, it's on the cover of, of, of a fishing magazine and all kinds. It's just everywhere. It's not really. Don't go looking for that. But it's everywhere. It's everywhere. People are talking about it all over the culture, Everybody's talking about it. And listen, most of the things that people say, that the culture says about sex, are lies. So, some of the sermons that you hear 24 7, 365, from the world about sex is that everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Your, your friends are doing it. Your coworkers are. Your classmates are. Everybody is. There's nothing wrong with it. Hey, you're not going to deny yourself some temptation, some desire. If you're tempted, just give in. If you, if you have this desire to do it, just give in. It doesn't matter. Just, just do it because everybody else is. And so consequently, if you believe what God says about sex and you're trying to stay pure in the midst of a world that isn't and you believe that sex should be between a man and a wife within the context of marriage, if you believe that, then consequently the world looks at you and says, you're weird. Something's wrong with you. Oh, they look at at you and say, and you've heard this one, right? You've heard this one. They look at you and they say this. Oh, you're one of those people. You're you're one of those people. You're probably really judgmental, which, by the way, is very judgmental to say, but that's another sermon. You're really judgmental. You're, You're really a bigot. You're one of those people. And so how can you stay pure in the midst of a world that isn't? How can you keep yourself from being blown up by this landmine? How can you keep from from this taking you out, taking your family out? How can you protect yourself in this area? Well, I think there's two things that God would want to say to us this morning so that we can walk with Him, so that we can have the life that He wants us to have, and so that we can keep ourselves and protect ourselves from this landmine. I think there's two things that God wants to say to us about this subject this morning. Here's the first one. You should, take, you should write this down if you're taking notes. First thing that God would want to say to you this morning about this subject, if you want to keep yourself pure, if you want to walk with him and, and not be taken out by this mind, first thing you need to remember is that your body is God's. Your body is God's. Take your Bible. It's going to be up on the screen behind me. We're going to look at a, a couple different things today. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 18 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 18 and 20, 18 through 20. And it says this. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Stop right there. This is free. God has just told you in that verse that sex is not just physical, it's spiritual. This is why sex always comes with baggage when you go outside of the boundary that God set for sex. This is why the baggage that comes with sex all the time, when you go outside of the bounds that God set, is guilt, shame, you, you try to cover it up, you try to justify why you're the exception and why it's okay for you when it may not be okay for other people and when God might say otherwise, you're the exception. God says, listen, it's not just a physical thing. There's no such thing as a one-night stand. It's a spiritual thing. And so he goes on. Let's look at the, next, look, look at the rest of it. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You should just insert your name there. Look at all the times God says you in here. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You're not your own. See, Jesus did not come and just purchase your soul. Jesus didn't come and just purchase your soul so that the rest of you he doesn't really care about, but when you die, your soul goes to heaven. No, Jesus bought all of you. Jesus bought every ounce of your body. Jesus bought every part that you have. He bought everything that you are, including your mind. Jesus bought your mind. You say, why in the world are you talking about your mind? Here's why, here's why. Most sexual sin starts in the mind. Did you know that? Most sexual sin starts in your mind. Most affairs that happen, most affairs never begin at the physical level. Where do they start? The emotional level. They start at the emotional level. That woman at at your office, she makes you feel like your wife hasn't made you feel in years. She makes you feel special, she respects you, she listens to you, and all of a sudden the fantasy starts. Maybe that guy at church, he always laughs at your jokes. He makes you feel like you're the only woman in the room. And so the fantasies begin. Maybe you're here and you're you're having fantasies that that your husband isn't even your husband anymore. You're, You're with some other guy named Christian Gray. If you didn't get that, God bless you. Don't worry about that. That's just for the people that got that, okay? That's just for the people that got that, all right? But it starts in your mind, It starts in your mind. Listen, if you want to do a revolutionary Bible study, you should go through the Bible and see everything that God says about your mind. You should try to see everything that God says in the Bible about your mind. You'll see Colossians 3. It says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Paul is inspired by God to write, take every thought captive. So so our thoughts don't take us captive, we can take our thoughts. If the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, you can take every thought and make it captive so that you are the master of your thoughts, not your thoughts the master of you. Or look at what Paul says. I think this might be up on the screen. If not, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, "Be trans, here it is, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and acceptable, and perfect. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is more powerful than you give it credit for. And so, so it's, it's going to God and say, saying, Jesus, you buy every single ounce of who I am, including my mind. I am not going to set in front of me anything that's going to corrupt my hard drive. I'm not going to put anything in front of me that could corrupt my hard drive I'm gonna do exactly what Paul says in Philippians 4 I'm gonna think about whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is noble whatever is lovely whatever is beautiful in other words I'm only gonna put in front of me into my mind things that are gonna take my relationship with Jesus to another level things that are gonna cause me to wanna walk with him to another level I am not gonna corrupt my hard drive see you just need to start saying this to yourself some of you You need to begin the hard work of renewing your mind. And listen, 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 listen. Can we just be honest? Because I've been in church long enough to know that there's a lot of people in the room thinking that he's talking to somebody else, he's not talking to me. So can we just all be honest enough right now and just admit that we all need help right here in this area more than we want to admit? That we all need help in the purity of our minds. Can we just bring back to light the verse that's driving this series, 1 Corinthians 10, 12? Let anybody that thinks that he stands watch out because you're about to fall. Because if you're here and you think, hey, you know what? He's not talking to me. He's talking to somebody else. I don't have any problem in the purity of my mind. Well, why do you remember with vivid clarity, HD quality pornography you looked at 10 years ago? If you don't struggle with this, then why do you remember word for word, detail for detail, that scene from that novel? Why do you remember detail for detail that scene from that movie? Why can you play back in your mind and just rewind and rewind and rewind that sexual experience from years ago? Can we all just admit for a second that just, just, just to be honest to God and say, God, I need help in this Area And it starts with saying, God, all of me is yours. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. My mind is yours. Because I'm telling you, if you can get this one down, the area of purity in your thought life, then you're winning the war in this area. So the first thing you need to remember is your body is God's. Your body is God's. Here's the second thing you need to remember. Choose God's will now. Choose God's will now. Look at what uh, look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3. It says this, "For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that each of you abstain from sexual immorality." Do you see that big word there sanctification? You see that? See, when it says this is the will of God, your sanctification, in other words, what it's saying, this is what God wants from you. This is what God wants for you. And what God wants for you is your sanctification. So the uh, question, well, what's sanctification? Sanctification sanctification simply means that you have a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what God wants for you. God, what God wants for you is a growing, thriving relationship with Jesus with Jesus that's what God wants for you God doesn't want for you to go from one sexual experience to another God doesn't want for you to live in the shame and the guilt and the cover-up that so often comes when sex goes out of the bounds that God sets for it God doesn't want you to be driven by hormones temptation God wants a growing thriving walk with him that's what god wants for you and so what you need to do what you need to do right now you need to listen to this what you need to do is you need to choose god's will now meaning right there where you sit you make the decision that you are going to walk with god right there where you sit you make the decision today right there where you sit every one of us in the room. You make the decision that you're going to be in a position where God can use you to the maximum effectiveness that He wants, that you're going to love Jesus, you're going to walk with Him. Choose God's will now so that you won't have to worry about making that decision when it's too late. Listen, choose God's will now instead of asking how far is too far. I hate that question, right? I used to be a youth pastor, and I would get questions all the time. Three in the morning, ten a.m., lunchtime—it doesn't matter. Teenagers are calling me, Mark. I've got a question. I know what it is. How far is too far? You might be single. How far is too far? That's what, that's your question. That's what you want to know. Never ask that question. Never ask how far is too far. Here's why: because that question really is just saying, "God, how close can I get and not get burned?" That's because that's what I'm going to do. God, how far is too far? because I'm going to do everything you're telling me that I can do up to that point. Right? It's getting real tense in here. You feel that? Don't ask that. Instead, ask the question, how can I have the most effective, growing relationship with Jesus that I could possibly have? Because listen, if you ask that question, you're always in a good place. Right? Right? Some of you, nobody agrees with that. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Right? Right? But if you ask that question instead of the question, how far is too far, you're going to be in a good place. Choose now, choose now to walk with Jesus and to never put yourself in a place where you're tempted to have an affair. Choose now to walk with Jesus instead of waiting till you're in the situation when you're tempted to cheat on your spouse. Watch this. I think this is going to be on the uh, screen here. Let's go ahead and go to the next verse. Proverbs chapter uh, 5, 18 through 20. I'm just reading the Bible here. I'm just reading the Bible. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. I can't believe he said that. It's in the Bible. Bible talks this way. That's why you should read this thing. you'd be surprised. Be intoxicated always in her love. Some Bibles say just drunk with her love. That's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress. If you read the book of Proverbs, there's all this talk about the forbidden woman. Stay away from the forbidden woman, it says. Don't go to the forbidden woman's house. Who in the world is the forbidden woman? Let me break it down. All right. Married men, let me get your attention. You want to know who the forbidden woman is? Every woman in the world except your wife. Married, married, married ladies. Can I have your attention? Would you like to know who the forbidden man is? Every man in the world except your husband. You say, I'm single. Who's forbidden for me? Everybody. Don't touch anything. Just keep your hands to yourself. Hallelujah, right? I'm serious. Don't do that. Don't go there. Listen, listen. Some of you are here well, my spouse isn't as hot as they used to be. Listen, your spouse is the hottest person in the world. For you, for you, for you. You know who the standard of beauty and hotness is for you if you're married? Your spouse. He might have went from a six-pack to a keg. It don't matter. But listen, he is hot. Why? Because he is with you and God put him in your life and he's not going anywhere unless Jesus comes back or Jesus takes him out. Right? Right? So choose now to walk with Jesus instead of putting yourself in a situation where you might be tempted on cheating on the one God's brought into your life. Choose now to walk with Jesus. Choose now that I'm going to have the closest relationship with Jesus. I'm going to walk with him. I want to be used by him more than anything else. I choose now him if you make that decision right now and this is for everybody we're going to unpack it in a minute if you make that decision today you will avoid every landmine that could ever show up in your life that decision today and you make that decision every day for the rest of your life you won't have to worry about landmines because listen you following jesus jesus will never lead you to an affair you following jesus he'll never lead you to pornography you follow in Jesus, he'll never lead you to a life where all you do is you settle for big house and nice cars and money. Choose him now. Now, now maybe you're hearing this. I get this sometimes when I talk about this stuff. Maybe you're hearing this and you're th- thinking, man, I hate this sermon. Because it sounds like what you're doing is holding me back. It sounds like what you're doing is, is you're telling me not to explore and experiment sexually. And I'm free. Maybe you're, maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and this is you right now. You're going out of bounds where God says and but you're thinking, Man, I'm free. I'm gonna keep doing that. I'm free. Or you know people. You know people. They wouldn't like this sermon. They're free, they say. They're free to experiment and live however they want to live. And I want to ask you a question. Are you really free? Because if you're here and that's you and you're so free, then why do you have to cover it up? Why do you feel so guilty? Why is there all this shame? Because listen, freedom never leads you to a prison. Freedom never leads you to a prison. But you always put yourself in a prison when you go outside of the bounds where God tells you to go. So you're here today, maybe you know somebody, I'm free, I can live however I want to live, I can do this. Well, why are you covering it up? Might be a teenager in the room, hey, I'm just going to keep doing this. I can experiment, I'm young, all of my friends do it. Are you as free as you thought you were going to be? Why are you covering it up from your parents if you're free? You're not free, you're a slave. Adults, maybe you're here and you're justifying that relationship, that sin, that thing. Well, it makes me feel good, it makes me feel alive. Why do you cover it up? Why do you always make sure that all the memory is deleted from your computer so nobody can retrace your steps and what you've looked at? You know why? Because you're not free. You're a slave. Maybe you're here, and deep down you know that you're not free. You're you're not into any of that, but you just know that you know that you know, man, I'm not free. Because the world is telling you, hey, you should go and you should experiment sexually. Or let's just step outside of sex for a minute. Let's just drop the sex topic. The world has told you, hey... If you get the nice house and you get the nice car and you get to this place where you can afford and and get the lifestyle that you want, then you can have the American dream and that's what it's all about. And you've got it, you've made it, you're rolling in it and you're still empty. And so, so... Years from now, you die and your friends will stand at your casket and they'll talk about how you arrived, how you made it, how you lived the life. But what they don't see is you on the other side and you've stood before God and when you see Him, you realize, I missed it. I was never free. In just a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to become free. In just a moment, if you're here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about being a good person. So, my, so many times, maybe this has been your church experience, the church has told the world, hey, if you want to have a relationship with God, you've got to make sure your hair's cut really nice, you've got to have a suit, wear your Sunday best, you've got to make sure you act like you've got it all together, you've got to keep a bunch of rules, and all of that is garbage. All of it is garbage. Jesus has done for you what you could never do for yourself. And when He went to the cross, He took all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your guilt... He took it on Himself so that today you could have freedom. And the only way that you can have that freedom is you go to Him right there where you sit in prayer and you say, God, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. I want to live for you. I want to have a relationship with you. And the Bible says that when you do that, He's faithful. He's faithful and just to forgive you for your sins and give you freedom. So in just a moment, I'm going to give you the chance to have the freedom that only Jesus can give. Maybe you're here, though, and you've been listening to this and, and you're dealing with that shame. You're dealing with that guilt. You're dealing with that regret. Man, you just wish you could go back and you would redo that situation and you wouldn't go there. You wouldn't have made that decision because you know that you've blown it in this area already. So you're dealing with all that this morning. So you feel real dirty. You don't feel clean. You feel really guilty. You know one of the most beautiful scenes in the Bible is right after Adam and Eve blow it. Okay, right after Adam and Eve blow it. I mean, you look at your life and you think that you've blown it. Well, all of all of your blowitness—that's a new word. Use it. People will be impressed. All of your blowitness started with the original couple that blew it. They blew it. They sinned against God, and because they did, so have we. But you know what God did? In in one of the most beautiful things that God has ever done just shows you how loving God is and how good He is. You know what God did to Adam and Eve when they blew it in that moment? Do you know what God did? And there they are, they're in the garden, and it had to have been ridiculous. They're trying to cover themselves with, with leaves and stuff. You know what God did? The Bible says that God came to them and that God covered their nakedness and that God clothed them and God made them clean. So maybe you're here and you're listening to this. Maybe you feel a lot of guilt and shame and regret because you blew it in this area years ago or you blew it in this area months ago or maybe a week ago or even last night. Jesus died. To make you clean you can be clean today you can be clean you can you can be free from all the baggage from all the guilt from all the shame from all the regret you say how all you need to do is you just go to God and ask God to forgive you maybe it's you feel dirty and filled with regret because of something that somebody did to you and I just want to say to you that nobody hates what happened to you more than God hates what happened to you and one day God is gonna make it right But Jesus on the cross took that on there with Him. And when He came back from the dead three days later and He came out of the tomb, that thing that happened to you stayed in there. It is dead. It is gone. It has been dealt with because He dealt with it. And you can be clean today if you just go to Him. If you just go to Him. Or maybe you're here and you're listening to this and you're honestly saying to yourself, I have no idea how this applies to me. I have no idea what I should do as a a result of what you are saying to me today. Here's what I would say to you. Choose Jesus now. Choose Jesus now. You might be here and you don't struggle with anything in this area, but I'm telling you that if you make the choice and you say right there where you sit, Today, I'm talking to Christians, you don't have any heinous, deliberate, overwhelming, horrifying sin in your life. You struggle with a, a lot of stuff, you've got sin there, but you You don't have any deliberate sin in your life. I'm talking to you that if you choose Jesus now, and right there where you sit, every one of you today, you look at God and you say, God, I am yours today. God, I want to be used by you. God, I want to walk with you I want to love you like I've never loved you before if you do that you'll never have to worry about a landmine. if you do that God will use your life in ways that you could ever imagine if you do that if we as a church did that today if we all came together and we all said Jesus we choose you there is nothing that God could not do through Summit Community Church nothing there is nothing he couldn't do So, the choice is yours. The choice is yours. The ball is in your court. What are you going to do today? Are you going to make that choice and choose Him? Are you going to make that choice and choose freedom? Are you going to make that choice and choose forgiveness? Or maybe you're just going to settle for some life that the world is telling you you need to live and it's going to leave you broken and empty. Or maybe you're going to leave today saying, I, I'm not going to make that decision. Listen, that is making a decision. Choose Jesus today. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for what you are doing right here in this room. And God, I know that we've talked about maybe a Maybe a new topic that people have heard talked about in church. Maybe an awkward topic. But it's something that you're calling us to. To walk with you. Because the world says ignore it. The world says that's stupid. The world says to walk with you and to choose you and to choose purity. That's holding back. That's not freedom. That's not living. But Jesus, you're telling us that if we choose the other way, if we choose any way other than you, We're choosing a prison. So Jesus, I pray for every person in the room today that they would choose you. They would choose you today because you are better than than money, than a bigger, nicer house, than a vacation. You are bigger than than a few moments of pleasure that the world wants us to go for that will only leave us with guilt and shame. You are better. So Jesus, let us choose you today. You know, I know that there are people in the room and you might be here today and and maybe it's not even the topic that we've talked about today, but you've got issues in your life. You've got some things in your life that are too big for you to deal with. Maybe God's spoken to you about some things today. Maybe God's put His finger on an area in your life. It might not not even have been related to this sermon, but maybe He's saying, hey, why don't you choose me? I want to help you here. I want to walk you through this. And listen, one of the ways that God wants to do that Is God wants to use other people to help you. Whatever it is, it's too big for you to carry along. And so if you're here today, if you're here today, you say, man, God's really dealing with me about an issue. I've got some baggage in my life. I've got some things I need to be dealing with. Here's what I ask you to do. Nobody's watching. It doesn't matter if they are. But if that's you, I want to invite you right now. Stand up where you're at and make your way to the back of the auditorium. We've got a lot of people there right now who are ready to pray with you. If you look at your life, God's dealing with you about something. Maybe God's put His finger on something in your life. Some sin, some issue, some burden that you're carrying. Maybe it's that situation, that mountain. I just want to challenge you right now where you're at to stand up and make your way to the back. Just make your way back to the auditorium if you need to pray with somebody. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today. And you are a Christian. You are a Christian. You know that you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and what I would say to you, and more importantly what I think that God is saying to all of us, is to choose Him. Maybe you walk with Him, you're growing your relationship with Jesus at the best place it's ever been. Then choose Him again today. Choose Him again today. Make the stand and say, Jesus, I am yours today. Maybe your relationship with God, man, it used to be really strong. Something happened and now it's not where it used to be. Today, come back to him. Today, just simply say, Jesus, I want to choose you today. Jesus, I want to choose you over all other things. I want you. Here's what I want to challenge every single person in the room today. If you want to make that stand, if you want to make that choice, you're here today, you're a child of God you're a Christian, you're in this place and you say, I want to choose Jesus today, I want to walk with him, I am his. If that's you, here's what I challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to do something bold today. I just want to challenge you not to get up and move around, but if that's you, if you're saying, I want to choose Jesus today, I want to walk with him, right there where you sit, just stand straight up. Just stand straight up if that's you today, if that's you. You just stand straight up. It doesn't matter if you're here, you're You've got a solid relationship with Jesus. If you're here saying, I want to tell the world that I choose Jesus, you stand up right now. Anybody in the room? Anybody. People are standing up right over here. God bless you. God bless you. Right here in the middle. People are standing up. It doesn't matter. Hey, don't you leave today worrying about what people thought about you when they stood. Jesus gets the last say. He's the ultimate authority. If you're here saying, you know what? I belong to Jesus. I want to choose Him today. You stand up right there where you're at. You stand up right now. Giving you another opportunity. People are standing up all over this room. You stand up. Don't leave wishing you would have stood up. You do it right there where you're at. You go all the way. People are standing up all over. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. God sees that decision. God sees your heart. God sees the choices that you're making today. Choose Him. That's the best choice. All over this room, people are standing up. Go ahead and be seated. Let me ask one more thing. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know that you're not saved. Today, right now, I want to give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. I want to give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. Right there where you sit, the Bible says that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God and Jesus came so that we could be forgiven for our sins. And right there where you sit, if you go to God and you ask Him to forgive you for your sins and to come into your life, the Bible says that God will, will come and that He'll move into your life. He can make all things new. And so right there where you said, if you know that you need to have a relationship with Jesus, you're not saved, but you want to be, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me right there where you said. Just pray this prayer and say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I give my life to you. I want to live for you. I want to love you. I choose you today. I want to walk with you. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, nobody's moving around. You're not, I'm not asking you to move, but I'm just going to ask you, as soon as I say three, would you raise your hand today? As soon as I say three, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, you just prayed that prayer, you want to choose him for the very first time. As soon as I say three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now if that's you. You say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. Right here in the front is a hand. Right there in the middle, there's another hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? You raise those hands high. God bless you for that. Anybody else? There's a hand right over here. Three hands go up this morning. Anybody else? Anybody else? Praise God for that. Father, I thank you that you've seen every person that stood. You saw every hand that was raised. And God, it's not over. What we started here today is only the beginning. These people who have just raised their hands to give their life to you for the very first time. It's just getting started. So Jesus, I pray that that you would move in their lives and that today, even before they would leave the building, they'd talk to somebody about it. I pray for everybody that stood up. God, the decision that they've made, burn it in them. Burn it in their hearts. Don't let them walk away from it, Jesus. We choose you today. We love you in your name. Amen. Let's praise God for all the decisions that were made today. Church, we saw three people at least, maybe more, three people at least raise their hands to give their life to Jesus today. That's exciting, is it not? That's an awesome thing. Listen, if you raised Amen. your hand, you can, you can, you can clap. You, can, you should get pumped, all right? You should get pumped. That's the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life is to follow Jesus. Um, but listen to me, if you just made that decision, if you raised your hand to give your relationship, to, to give your life to Christ, here's what I want to ask you to do. Uh, As you leave today, there are people in the main back of the auditorium. We've got a next step booth. You can't miss it. Would you stop back there and say, Hey, I gave my life to Christ today. Or if you've got a connection card, would you check the box on the back of that that says, I gave my life to Christ today? Give it to them. We've got some things we want to give you today. We want to encourage you and help you. If you're nervous, man, I don't know what they're going to do to me back there. Bring some friends with you because they're strength in numbers. You can take them out. Um, but take people with you if you're kind of nervous about it, all right? But stop back there in the main back of the auditorium. There are people there who want to talk to you. Any decision that you made today, indicate that on your connection card. Next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. And Baptism Sunday is an awesome time here at Summit. And if you've never been baptized, you've given your life to Jesus, but you've never been baptized, uh, you can just check the back of your connection card that says, I want to be baptized. And we'll contact you this week. We'll get you set up and ready to go. If you want to volunteer to make Summit happen every single week, in fact, let me do this, um, something we haven't mentioned this morning. This past week, we did our very first vacation Bible school. It was an amazing time. We saw eight kids give their life to Jesus this past week. That's an awesome thing. And we saw over seven, we saw, had, had over 100 kids every night and around 70 volunteers every night. Let me ask you something really quick. If you helped out at Vacation Bible School in any way, shape, or form this past week, would you stand up for a second? Would you stand up right now? Stand up. Nobody's going to do anything to you. If you helped at Vacation Bible School, stand up right now. Teenagers, adults, everybody. If you helped out, I know a lot of them are in the back. Look at all these people. Can we give them a round of applause real quick? That's awesome. That's awesome. You guys grab a seat. Listen, listen. We couldn't have done that without volunteers. And we can't do what we do here every week without volunteers. We need people to help in Summit Kids, guest services. If you want to get plugged in at Summit, all you need to do, again, take your connection card and check an area you want to serve. We'll get you plugged in there, raring to go, and you can start to serve. Okay? Okay. But we are excited for what God did today, and any decision that you made, go ahead and indicate that on your connection card. We're going to begin to transition to our offering right now, receiving our offering. And so if you would just fill out that connection card, uh, front and back, any decision you've made, uh, we want to know about it, and you can place your connection card in the offering basket uh, when that goes around, except if you're a first-time guest. First-time guests, hold on to those. We've got a free gift for you out there in the lobby to your right. If you want to sign up for a life group, just take that sheet, check the box, write your name, best way to contact you, put that in the offering plate as well. Uh, But as our ushers are going to go ahead and get in their position, so you guys, whoever our ushers are this morning, you guys can go ahead and get in place. But I hope you see uh, from the decisions that were made uh, this morning and what God did this morning, this is why you give. This is why it's important to give every week. And God talks about giving in the Bible. God calls us to give a 10% of what he gives gives to give it back to him. And you know what? Maybe you hear, oh man, that just sounds like too much. That just sounds like such a stretch for me. I don't know if I can afford something like that. I want to say to you that only in the area of giving does God say, test me in this. Only there does he say, try me, find me out there. And God says, I will bless you for it. And so maybe you've never given. Let today be the first time that you give. But when you give, God uses it to radically change lives. So our band's going to play during our offering. Our ushers are going to uh, take up our offering right now, and I'll be back in just a minute to give you something else before we leave. So go ahead, guys, and you guys play. I'll be back.
1: so with the sinner's heart you lead us fast
0: thank you guys so much for being here with us today and before our band plays us out before we let you go uh, we want to invite you to come back next week Baptism Sunday you bring some people with you so thankful that you guys were here today let's stand up let's stand up we're going to sing we're going to dismiss you guys here right now let's sing with our band here as they play us out
1: Your grace is enough for me We'll see you next Sunday Great is your love and justice, God You use the weak to lead the strong in the song of your salvation and all your people sing along. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough.